Hills of San Juan by Jackson Gregory Chapter 9 Young Page Comes to Town Here and there throughout the great stretches of the sun-smitten southwest are spots which still remain practically unknown, wherein men come seldom or not at all, where no man cares to tarry, barren mountains that are blistering hot sucked dry long ago of their last vestige of moisture, endless drifts of sand where the silent animal life is scanty, where the fang cactus and stubborn mesquite fight their eternal battles for life, mesas and lomas little known, shunned by humanity. True, men have been here, some few poking into the dust of ancient ruins, more seeking minerals, and now and then one fleeing the law, to be followed relentlessly by such as Roderick Norton. And yet there is evidence, if one looks, that this desolate, shunned land once had its teeming tribes in its green fields. Virginia and Roderick, having made their hazardous way down the cliffs and to their horses in silence, found their tongues loosened as they rode westward in the soft dawn. Virginia put her questions, and he, as best he could, answered them. She asked eagerly of the old cliff-dwellers, and he shrugged his shoulders. Aztecs, were they? Toltecs? What? Yuen Sabe? They were a people of mystery who had left behind them a silence like that of the desert wastes themselves. Whence they came, where they went, and why, must remain questions with many answers, and therefore none at all. But he could tell her a few things of the ancient civilization, and a civilization it truly was, and of the signs left for posterity to puzzle over. They had built cities, and the ruins of their pueblos still stand scattered across the weary, scorched land. They constructed mile after mile of aqueducts, whose lines are followed today by reclamation engineers, they irrigated and cultivated their lands. They made abodes high up in the mountains, dwelling in caves, enlarging their dwellings, shaping homes and fortresses and lookouts. And just so long as the mountains themselves last, will men come now and then into such places that as wherein Jim Galloway's rifles lay hidden. I have lived in this part of the world all but two or three years of my life, said Norton at the end and yet I never heard of these particular caves until a very few days ago. I don't believe that there are ten people living who know of them. So Galloway, hiding his stuff out there, was playing just as safe as a man can play, when he plays the game crooked anyway. Oh, won't he guess something when he misses Moraga? I don't think so, Norton shook his head. Tom Cutter and Brocky made Moraga talk. His job was to keep an eye on this end, but he was commissioned also to make a trip over the county line. First thing Jim Galloway will hear will be that Morega got drunk and into a scrape and was taken in by Sheriff Roberts. Then I think that Galloway himself will slip out of San Juan himself some dark night and climb the cliffs to make sure. When he finds everything absolutely as it was left, then time passes and nothing is done. I think he will replace Morega with another man and figure that everything is all right. Why shouldn't he? From Galloway and Morega, they got back to a discussion of the ancient peoples of the desert, venturing surmise for surmise, finding that their stimulated fancies winged together, daring to construct for themselves something of the forgotten annals of a forgotten folk who perhaps 
were living in walled cities while old Egypt was building her pyramids. Then abruptly, in a patch of tall mesquite, Norton reined in his horse and stopped. "'You understand why I must leave you here,' he said. "'Yonder, beyond those trees, straight ahead. You will see it from that little ridge, is Las Estrellas, a town of a dozen houses. But before you get there you will come to the house where old Ramirez, a half-breed, lives. Remember, if you are missed in San Juan, Strove will say that you are gone to see Ramirez. He is actually sick, by the way. Maybe you can do something for him. His shack is in those cottonwoods this side of Los Estrellas. You'll find Ignacio there, too. He'll go back to San Juan with you. Once again, thank you. He put out his hand. She gave him hers. And for a moment they sat looking at each other gravely. Then Norton smiled, the pleasant boy's smile. Her lips curved at him deliciously. He touched his hat and was gone. And she, riding slowly, turned Parisis toward Las Estrellas. From Las Estrellas, an unkept, ugly village, strangely named, it was necessary to ride some fifteen miles through sand and scrub before coming again into San Juan. Virginia Page, sincerely glad that she had made her call upon old Ramirez, who was suffering painfully from an acute stomach trouble and whose distress she could partially alleviate, made the return ride in the company of Inaccio. But first, from Ramirez's baking hovel, the Indian conducted her to another where a young woman with a baby a week old needed her. So it was well on in the afternoon, and with a securely established alibi, that she rode by the old mission and to the hotel. As Ignacio rode listlessly away with the horses, as innocent-looking a lazy beggar as the world ever knew, Virginia caught a glimpse of a white skirt and cool sunshade coming up the street. Florence Engle, she thought, who no doubt will cut me dead if I give her the opportunity. A little hurriedly, she turned in at the hotel door and went to her room. She had removed hat and gauntlets and was repairing for a bath and a change of clothing when a light knock sounded on her door. The rap, preceded by quick little steps down the hall, was essentially feminine. "'Hello, Cousin Virginia,' said Florence. "'May I come in?' Virginia brought her in, gave her a chair, and regarded her curiously. The girl's face was flushed and pink, her eyes were bright and quite gay and untroubled her whole air genuinely friendly. Last night Virginia had judged her to be about seventeen. Now she looked a mere child. "'I was perfectly nasty last night, wasn't I?' Florrie remarked as she stood her sunshade by her chair and smiled engagingly. "'Oh, I know it. Just a horrid little cat. But then I'm that most of the time. I came all this way and all in this dust, and he just to ask you to forgive me, will you?' For the moment. Virginia was nonpulsed, but Florence only laughed, clasped her hands somewhat affectedly, and ran on, her words tumbling out in helter-skelter fashion. "'Oh, I know I'm spoiled, and I'm selfish, and I'm mean, I suppose, and, oh, dear, I'm as jealous as anything, but I'm ashamed of myself this time. Whew! You ought to have listened in on that party after you left. If you could have heard Mama scold me and Papa jaw me about the way I acted—' It would have made you almost sorry for me. But you weren't horrid at all, Virginia broke in at last, her heart suddenly warming to this very obviously spoiled, futile, but nonetheless likable Florrie. You mustn't talk that way, and if your parents made you come. They didn't, Florrie said calmly. They couldn't. 
nobody ever made me do anything that's what's the matter with me i came because i wanted to as the men say i wanted to square myself and would you believe it this is the third time i've called mr straub kept telling me that you had gone to see old joe ramirez isn't he the awfulest old pirate you ever saw and the dirtiest i don't see how you can go near a man like that even if he is dying honestly i don't but you must do all kinds of things being a doctor her clasped hands tightened she put her head of fluffy hair to one side and looked at virginia with such frank wonder in her eyes that virginia colored under them and ran on florrie forestalling a possible interruption i was ready to poke fun at you last night just for being something capable and splendid there was my jealousy again i suppose you ought to have heard papa on that score look here my fine miss if you could just be something worth while in the world if you could do as much good in all of your silly life as virginia page does every day of hers and so forth until he was ready to burst and mamma was ready to cry and i was ready to bite him she trilled off in a burst of laughter which was eloquent of the fact that florence engle be her faults what they might was not the one to hold a grudge i'm sorry said virginia smiling a little if on my account you were just going to get cleaned up weren't you asked florrie contritely you look as hot and dusty as anything my what pretty hair you have i'll bet it comes down to your waist doesn't it you ought to see mine when i take it down it's like the picture of the bushwhackers you know what i mean from south africa or somewhere you know only of course mine's a prettier color sometimes i'll come and comb yours for you when you're tired out from curing sick indians but now as she jumped to her feet i'll go out on the porch while you get dressed and then you come out will you it's cool under the awning and i'll have mr straw bring us some cool lemonade but first you do forgive me don't you virginia's prompt assurance was incomplete when florrie flitted out banging the door after her headed towards the lounging chairs on the veranda you pretty thing exclaimed miss florrie as virginia joined her as coolly and femininely dressed if not quite as fluffily as the banker's daughter oh but you are quite the most stunning creature that ever came into san juan oh i know all about myself don't you suppose i've stood in front of a glass by long hours wishing it was a wishing glass all the time and that i could turn a pug nose into a grecian i'm pretty you're simply beautiful look here my dear laughed virginia taking the chair which florrie had drawn close up to her in the shade against the adobe wall you have already made amends it isn't necessary to i haven't half finished cried florrie emphatically you see it's a way of mine to do things just by halves and quit there but to-day it is different to-day i'm going to square myself it's one reason why i treated you so cattishly last night because you were so matterly good to look upon through a man's eyes you know and that's about all that counts anyway isn't it and the other reason was that you came in with roddy and he looked so contented do you wonder that i am just wild about him isn't he a perfect dear florrie's utter frankness disconcerted virginia the confession of wildness about san juan sheriff followed by the asservation of his perfect dearness was made in bright frankness florrie's voice lowered no whit through julius's drove as he in a moment he was coming down the veranda bearing a tray of glasses virginia was not without gratitude that strove 
lingered a moment and bantered with florrie when he departed she sought to switch the talk in another direction but florrie sipping her tall glass and setting aside was before her you see it was double-barreled jealousy so i did rather well not to fly at you and tear your eyes out didn't i just because you and he came in together as if every time a man and girl walk down the street together it means they are going to get married but you see roddy and i have known each other ever since i can remember and i have asked myself a million times if some day we are going to be mr and mrs roderick norton and there are times when i think we are you have a long time ahead of you haven't you florence before you have to answer a question like that asked virginia amusedly because i'm so young cried florrie oh i don't know girls marry young here now there is tina as is our cook's sister she has two babies already and she is only four months older than i am and look Bergie, there is the most terrible creature in the world it is kid rickard he killed the lost pommels man you know i am not going even to look at him i hate him worse than that calipatin and that's like saying i hate strychnine worse than arsenic isn't it but who in the name of all that is wonderful is the man with him isn't he the handsomest thing i never saw him before he's from outside virgie can you tell that fashionable cut of his clothes and by the way he walks in isn't he distinguished it is elmer explained virginia staring at the two figures which were slowly approaching from the southern end of the street when did he get here i didn't expect him then she chose to forget all save the essential fact that her baby brother was here and ran out to the sidewalk calling to him hello sis returned elmer nonchalantly he was a thin anemic-looking young fellow a couple of years younger than virginia who affected a swagger in gloves and who had a cough which was insistent but which he strove to disguise and yet florrie's hyperbole had not been entirely without warrant he had something of virginia's fine profile a look of her in his eyes the stamp of good blood upon him he suffered his sister to kiss him meantime turning his eyes with a faint sign of interest to the fair girl on the veranda florrie smiled sis said elmer this is mr rickard mr rickard shake hands with my sister miss page feeling of pure loathing swept over the girl as she turned to look into kid rickard's sullen eyes and degenerate cruel face but since the kid was a couple of paces removed and was slow about coming forward not so much as raising his hand to his wide hat she nodded him and managed to say a quiet noncommittal how do you do then she slipped her arm through elmer's come elmer she said hastily i want you to know miss florence engle she is a sort of cousin of ours sure said elmer offhandedly come on rickard but the kid standing upon no ceremony had drawn his hat a trifle lower over his eyes and turned his shoulder upon them continuing along the street in his slouching walk elmer summoning youth supreme weapon of an affected boredom yawned stifled his little cough and went with virginia to meet florence florence giggled over the introduction then grew abruptly as grave as a matron of seventy and tactlessly observed that mr page had a very bad cold how could one have a cold in weather like this whereupon mr page glared at her belligerently noted her little row of curls revised his first opinion of her set her down not only as a cousin but as a crazy kid besides 
and removed half a dozen steps to a chair. "'I don't think much of your friends,' remarked Florrie, sensing sudden opposition and flying halfway to meet it. Elmer Page produced a very new, unsullied pipe from his pocket and filled it with an air, while Virginia looked on curiously. Having done so, and having drawn up one trouser leg to save the crease, crossed the leg, and at last put the pipe stem into his mouth, he regarded Florrie from the cool and serene height of his superior age. "'If you refer to Mr. Rickert,' he said aloofly, "'I may say that he is not a friend yet. I just met him this afternoon, but although he hasn't had the social advantages, perhaps still he is a man of parts.' Florrie sniffed and tossed her head. Virginia bit her lips and watched them. "'Been smoking too many cigs, I guess, sis,' Elmer remarked, apropos of the initial observation of Miss Ingle, which still rankled. "'Got a regular cigarette fiend's cough. Gave him up. Hitting the pipe now.' "'If you knew,' said Florrie spitefully, "'that Mr. Rickard, as you call him, had just murdered a man yesterday, what would you say then, I wonder?' There was a sparkle of excitement in Elmer's eyes as he swung about to answer. "'Murdered,' he challenged. "'You've heard just one side of it, of course. Bisbee got drunk and insulted, Mr. Rickard. They call him the kid, you know. Say, sis, he's had a life for you. Full of adventure, all kinds of sport, and Bisbee shot first, too. But the kid got him,' he concluded triumphantly. "'Galloway told me all about it, and what a blundering rummy the fool sheriff is.' Galloway, queried Virginia uneasily, you know him too already? Sure, replied Elmer. He's a good sort too. You like him. I ask him around. For goodness sake, Elmer, when did you get to San Juan? Have you been here a week or just a few hours? Eh, got in on the stage at noon, of course, but it doesn't take a man all year to get acquainted in a town this size. A man, giggled Florrie. I can see, laughed Virginia, that you two are going to be more kin than kind to each other. You'll be quarreling in another moment. Florrie looked delighted at the prospect. Elmer yawned and brooded over his pipe. But out of the tail of his eye he took stock again of her blonde prettiness, and she, ready from the beginning to make fun of him, repeated to herself the words she had used to Virginia. But he is handsome and distinguished-looking. End of chapter 9